So yesterday, Ashley was working our prayer mobile. <laughs> Got a testimony. Got a testimony. Um, I just wanted to encourage you guys about what's going on here at FCA. I, I don't have any kids that go here yet, but I, and I really didn't know what was going on, but I want to tell you, they are rise, raising up some mighty men of valor, um, some great children up in here. I, I must have had probably seven or eight young boys, probably between the ages of six to ten, but more like that six to seven range, all coming up without parents, without provoking to want prayer for their you know, for their parents, their grandparents, serious situations going on in their life, praying in the name of Jesus. Like it was just, it was amazing to see their hearts and the tenderness in, in them and, and just that, that bold, passionate courage to come up there. I mean, I had, I, I had probably just as many adults say, no, thank you. I don't want prayer. But I had all these kids coming up hungry for it, hungry, hungry, hungry. And so, I mean, what's going on? here when we're mm. not here is so fruitful the mm. fruit that's coming out of this place in our children is mm. amazing Amen. and so like we have this dinner coming up on thursday and i mean what a great place to sow a seed what a great thing to sow into these children's lives because mm. it's it's showing mm. i was shocked i mean i was impressed these kids are really man they know jesus and um, we even had, I mean, I think it's just even in the, to the children these days, because I even had this little boy, and he told me he goes to Kingdom Hall with the Jehovah's Witnesses, and he came up and asked for salvation for him and his grandmother. So that was awesome, too. So, like, the spirit was all over this whole fall festival <laughs> thing yesterday. And I just wanted to share with you guys Amen. and encourage you that what's going on here seven days a yeah. week is amazing. Awesome. Thank you. So appreciated you being right there where you were, too. Praise God. We're going to hold off this morning on receiving uh, our tithes and offerings because I want to take a few moments to speak to something that God has just really confirmed over and over again, which is always nice <coughs> when you're getting ready to stand in this place. Are you happy today? Yeah. Good? Yeah, I tell you, I'm so grateful. Thanks, Jennifer, for leading worship this morning. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wanted to just say thanks because, you know, she's, she's an amazing guy. You got all these kids running around. She's got a baby. She's nursing. You know, she's going like, I said, you know, it takes a family to pull that off. I mean, that just takes a family to pull that off. So the whole family, God bless you. And Sue, yeah, just everyone. It's amazing. But I uh, so appreciate the presence of the Lord. And an awesome husband. I know I've already saluted at him about four times. I mean, we, we are, yeah. <clears throat> so we've been um, in, a, in a really wonderful season of um, letting God, by the Holy Spirit, come and put us in remembrance of why we're here. Um, you know, as a local church, uh, the, the mission that we've received from God about being a place that is a dispenser of living water, which really is the Holy Spirit. If you look at it in the Scripture, it's pretty plain. A place where the Holy Spirit is welcome to dwell, but not just come here to bless us, that it would flow out of this place, right? Living water, life-giving water would flow from this place. So we've been, gosh, for quite a while um, hanging out around this fountain and saying, God, how does that work in my life? And what's my position within all of that and we've said a lot of things that have hopefully been an encouragement hopefully practical as well as inspirational things that would get us motivated as well as help us put our hand on the plow that God has ordained for each one of us and 
Of late, we've been talking about the actual gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's real practical stuff to me anyways that, that God has decided that we could each participate. Nobody has to be a spectator in the kingdom of God. We're all called into this wonderful privilege of advancing God's kingdom with God and with one another. The practical side is that God has given grace to each one of us. And uh, that grace marks our place. You ask, I hear people ask all the time, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? Your grace marks your place. What is that? Your grace. That's the thing that works for you. It's the thing that comes. It's the thing that you're burdened about many times. Many times you have a burden for prayer and may be frustrated because everybody else isn't praying, but you know, you might have a, a, a grace at a different level than they have in that arena. And that doesn't mean that others shouldn't pray. But what it does mean is that we don't have to compete with each other because we're not all feeling the exact same things. We're feeling unique things because God wired us each uniquely to participate in a significant manner, right? If we were all the same body part, we'd be pretty dysfunctional. We wouldn't get anywhere, and I don't think we'd even be alive. But we're all different, right? So Paul is very persistent in his encouragement to the churches of his day and even now God saw fit to record his encouragement so we too could be encouraged and Romans chapter 12 is the place we left off most recently we were talking from everything about I beseech you brethren by the mercies of God to present yourselves a living sacrifice in view of all that God has done for you what is your response after all that God's done and then he goes right into talking about giving ourselves to the Lord, and then he talks about gifts, the gifts, motivational gifts, many would label them, of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, basically, if you want to give yourself to God, here's a good starting point. Take your gift, the grace you've received, and start being a steward of that gift. Do something with what you've received. You know, the principle of stewardship's a big deal. At the end of the day, I'm not going to be judged on what you did with what you received. I'm going to be judged on what I did with what I received. You know, we can look around at everybody else and say, well, they're doing that. Maybe I should go do that. No, that's not. You can go do that. But I'm telling you, you're probably going to be frustrated because you probably don't have a grace, at least the same grace. Other people around you are going to be frustrated. You ever been frustrated by somebody who's not in their place? Have you ever been the person not in your place and frustrating others? We can look at that from a lot of different angles. Been there, done that too. Amen. <laughs> but... Uh, so find, you know, we find our spot, and then our stewardship, ultimately, at the end of the day, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with what you received. Now I'm going to give you more. And so I don't know how it is for you, but for me, I'm constantly asking the Lord. And here's a thought. In kind of a roundabout way, I'm asking people around me. You know, people around you can actually confirm your gift. Isn't it nice when we can do that in a loving way? Like, you know, when you really see a grace on somebody, it's a good thing to encourage them in their grace. Because the devil is constantly trying to attack us, telling us we're good for nothing. You won't amount to anything. But if we can start seeing the budding virtues in one another, the little sprout that has huge potential, if somebody would just come along and encourage the grace, this grace will grow, this grace will increase, 
Jesus grew and increased, and that means we're going to grow and increase, right? He grew and increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and men. So, our giftings and our graces. So we've been working from different angles on looking at different gifts along the way. And let me just want to read to you uh, Romans 12, 6 and 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorts on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness, right? So here's just a list of certain manifestations, things that we understand because it started right off with this idea. We've received different gifts according to the grace we all have. And there it is, a list of some of those graces. We said last week that grace works by faith, right? We have faith gives us access into the grace that we've already received. So you've already got something by God. If you're a born-again Christian, when you got born again, inside of you came a deposit from God. Okay? And that grace is there, but that grace left to itself um, is waiting for your participation. So faith is the part of us that reaches in and activates my grace. So you might not think you got a whole lot, but gosh, you're never going to know if you don't step out and do something with the little bit you think you have. It's better to take the little bit you think you have and do something with it than to be like that slothful servant who hid his grace, okay? So grace, it's accessed by faith. And we said last week, faith works by love. So I'm not going to go back and do all that again. I'm just giving you a quick reminder. We've all received grace. It doesn't just work without a little participation. You've got to put some faith into this thing and take some steps, amen? And then love, why are we doing it? Because I love God, because I love myself, my life is worth living, and because I love other people. That's the underpinning motivation for all of this stuff. Because if I have all these gifts and I have not love, come on, somebody talk to me. I am nothing. So all this stuff, you know, you can be the best this and the best that and have all these wonderful talents and stuff moving in your life, but if you don't have love, Paul makes it clear, 1 Corinthians 13, I am nothing, right? So love's the underpinning. All right, all that said, I want to talk about one of these gifts today in this list we just read, and it's this amazing gift. It's the gift of giving. The gift of giving. Now, isn't that an interesting idea that God has given to some? I think everybody should be a giver, but there is an actual gift, just like there's the gift of miracles, and there's the gift of faith, and there's the gift of prophecy, and we've all received differing graces. Some people in the body of Christ actually have a gift of giving. I want to talk about that today because of what it does and what it means. And if you've got this gift, how it is that God would encourage you with this gift to rise to another level. You know, we've been asking the question with all of our graces and stuff flowing through here, how's it flowing? <laughs> Where's it going? And is it growing, right? Growing. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just plateau off with my grace. I'm saying, God, let me reach for a new level and a new place of grace and influence and authority for Jesus' sake. So, here we go. The gift of giving. 
If you've been around for any length of time, you know I used on a couple of these messages on the gifts, I used a bunch of W's to answer some questions. We've wanted to know what is the gift, why is the gift, who gets this gift, typically, or where does the gift function and operate, and when. Okay, so we got five things, what, why, who, where, and when. I'm going to try to keep it simple. Can you say amen? amen? All right, say, we're praying for you, Pastor. We're praying for you. So, uh, see Peter Wagner. He's an interesting guy. I haven't followed him in many years, but years ago he put out a spiritual gift questionnaire, a revised questionnaire that's been used throughout uh, you know, churches for many, many years. It's been revamped several times. It's not a perfect science, which is what I love about this particular guy, uh, because he... He takes into consideration the fact that we're all so special and so unique. We don't want to just say we're cookie cut into these things, but there are some clear indicators of things. And he has a definition around this gift, and I thought, you know what, it's good enough. I'm going to just read his definition. I like it, actually. Here's what C. Peter Wagner says about the gift of giving. The gift of giving is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to contribute their material resources to the work of the Lord liberally and cheerfully. Wow. Above and beyond the tithes and offerings expected of all believers. So this is an above and beyond grace that comes on certain individuals that they just have this ability to give of their resources joyfully, cheerfully, and extravagantly. Okay? That's a pretty amazing thing when you think about the culture we're living in. That's supernatural in a lot of ways when you really start to think about it. So what is it? I believe if I was to put a simple definition, it's, it's a picture of God's heart, the gift of giving. It's a picture of God's heart. Thank God that we get to see God's heart when that gift is in operation. That's really what we're getting to look at in, in a very tangible way. Oh my gosh, that's the heart of God here on earth that just touched those people. So that's what, that's a simple definition, what it is. Why, why would God give this gift? These are just some of my ideas. You might have more you want to add to this list, but Here's one reason why God would give this gift to the body. And we've talked about the other gifts, the gift of faith and the gift of healing. Why do we need healing? Well, people need to get healed, you know, and so on. Well, why would God give the gift of giving to the church? Well, one is because the church, the work, the ministry needs the resources. It's a fact. It takes resources to accomplish the mission. And so God actually decided that one of the ways he would bring those resources in is by dropping a special gift right in the body where somebody would have such a freedom and an ability to give that it would help supply the needs to get things done. You know, the history of our country is amazing when you, when you realize that there were very affluent, actually, people who went broke funding the founding of this nation. Naturally speaking, they went broke. They gave it all. They laid their, their, their wealth, their riches, their resources down to establish this country in which we now have all this blessing and luxury. Now, let me tell you what. God sent some people ahead 
and he put a certain spirit in them and he said upon them I'm going to use them to make a difference in the world in the world and it was all tied back if you took it back to a people who understood this principle of giving and they had this willingness to lay it down for the cause the bigger cause another reason why I believe the important one here is that others need the example the gift of giving is present because we need the example they would set. I don't know how it is for you, but like when somebody's got the gift of faith, for instance, and I'm over here in the gift of doubt. You know what I'm talking about? Like that thing where I'm just like, oh, it's all going to come unglued and it's all going to be, it's all going to pot, you know, it's all a mess and whatever. And here comes somebody walking by with the gift of faith. Bless God. This is what the Lord says about that. And they just step out, you know. I don't know what, it, for me, it's like it calls me back into order. <laughs> it calls me back into my rank. And I'm saluting smartly again. And I'm back where I'm supposed to be in God. And I think one of the reasons that the gift of gi giving is present in certain individuals is to bring us all back into the heart of God and this realm of wanting to demonstrate God on the earth. And we need each other to inspire us and keep us back where we're supposed to be. And there's nothing like somebody who's got this gift, this gift of giving. If you get around them and you're over there hoarding your stuff, and here comes somebody with the gift of giving, <laughs> it just puts you to shame, man. I mean, it's just like, I mean, in a good sense, it's, it's kind of like, Ouch and amen. Ouch and amen. Can you say that with me? Ouch and amen. Because something in your spirit goes, yeah, shoot, I knew I was supposed to do that. Amen. We need each other. We need the example that we're each setting for each other. We could say that of all these gifts, the gift of mercy, you know, and so on. But we're talking about the gift of giving here today. It's so interesting to me. We talked when we were talking about faith, I'm just kind of reminding us how these work. You know, there's common faith. Everybody has a measure of faith. And then there's that gift of faith, that uncommon faith, that faith that goes way out there. Same thing's true when you've got the gift of giving. You've got everybody should have a grace to give, but there's this uncommon grace that God uses to bring us up and to move the work forward. And it's on certain individuals, okay? It's like the four-minute mile. Nobody could break it until somebody did. And once they did, here comes a line of others. If they can do it, I can do it. Everybody else has been listening to the voices. You can't do that. That's impossible. The human's you know, physique can't stand it, can't make it happen until somebody does it. And then everybody's thoughts start changing. It's doable, therefore I can do it. I think the gift of giving is, sets an example for us to say, you know what? They gave, and they're still eating. They gave, and they're still driving a car. They gave, you know, and it's like, hey, I can do that. I think another reason we're talking about why is that the gift of giving counters the spirit of the age, which is self-preservation. It's actually like an anti-venom that when taken helps us get free from the spirit of this age 
which is all about self-preservation. When you move out in this thing, it's the opposite of self-preservation, and it actually has a spiritual force behind it. Giving has a spiritual force behind it. It's not just meeting a natural need. It is a spiritual force battling self-preservation in the spirit of this age. Why? Because the Bible says why? Because it's better to give than to receive. That's a nice reason for why the gift exists. Because it's better. God just wants better for all of us. Better is a part of God. And here's the last thing I got for why. Not, uh, they're all not this long, so just, just hang with me. Why? For love's sake. Why should this gift be in operation? Why would God give it? Why is it present? For love's sake. God gave it because he loves us. And now we have an opportunity to love God back. If you were here, gosh, I forget how many weeks it's been now. I can't even keep it up anymore in my mind. I talked one Sunday about <clears throat> my people will be willing in the day of my power. Psalms 110. God says, in the day of my power, I'm going to have a people that are willing. And we saw that that word uh, in the Hebrew language means they're going to be spontaneous and they're going to be, um, they're going to be voluntary. So my people are going to be spontaneous and voluntary. Nobody forcing them, nobody breaking their arm and bending their arm. But God says there's going to be a people in the earth in the day of my power, which was really what word? Who remembers? The day of my army. I love it. In the day of my army, God says, when I assemble my army on the earth, my people in that day are going to be a willing, spontaneous people, a voluntary people. I think that's huge in the overall scope of things because what God's after is not a bunch of forced servants. He's after a bunch of people who've realized how greatly they've been loved and now in response are loving God again. Willing. My people will be willing. It's the same word used when God says, when he's building the tabernacle in the book of Exodus, take up an offering of the people only from those who do it willingly. As if God is saying, I'm not interested in their money, I'm interested in their hearts. So only bring to me that which is coming freely and willingly from the people. Amen. That's what I'm going to build my house with. That's what my church is going to be built of in this day. And it's unfortunate because when you get around this whole topic of giving, there's an unfortunate amount of manipulation that goes on with it. And heaven's got to be so grieved over all of that stuff because it violates the principle that God's looking for which is love, free, and spontaneous to the Lord. It's about love, you know. I, I read one other verse out of the Psalms <clears throat> where God is in Psalm 68, and it's about God's blessing of his people. This word willing, I just got to give it to you because there's something so powerful and important here. Psalm 68 and verse 9, um, <clears throat> God sends a plentiful rain whereby he confirms his people. The word plentiful is the same word that was in the other psalm, willing. He, God sends a spontaneous, voluntary rain that God gives freely and spontaneously to his people to bless them. Right? Same exact word. So catch this. The same word God says, I'm looking from, from you, I, God, am doing for you. If you want me to be spontaneous and free in my giving to you, 
isn't it only right that you would be free and spontaneous in your giving to me? Because what I'm really interested in here is a spontaneous love relationship. I was thinking about my wife, you know. I, uh, it, this might resonate with a few guys, but, you know, I'll go every now and then and I'll pick up groceries on the way home or something. I stop by the store, and, and as I go in, they've figured this out. You know, the, <laughs> there's the flowers. Come on, talk to me, somebody. There they are. You know, <clears throat> there they are. Right in the front when you walk in. First order of business, you know. And um, <clears throat> many times I've been there. I'm in a hurry. I'm on a mission. Long day, I'm going home. I got to get my stuff. I'm hungry, okay? And there's those flowers. And, uh, and then if you're like me, you'd be walking a little ways. You might go a little bit past, and there's that still, small voice. What about her? What are you going to do? And then you go over with your stingy self, and you start looking for the best deal. Can I get a witness? <laughs> no. Come on. Which ones are cheapest today? You know, <laughs> pretty and cheap is good. So, uh, <clears throat> probably shouldn't have shared that secret, but anyways, <laughs> no. <laughs> Price is going up now. Now she's going to wonder why the stickers have been peeled off <laughs> the foil. <laughs> Hey, let me tell you what. When we were dating, I used to pull my car off the side of the road and pick wildflowers. Now, you go, figure that one out, buddy. Awesome is right. All those cars honking at me. Look at you chump out there. <laughs> points, points, points. Talking serious points. Those weren't cheapies at the store, man. Those were on the side of the road. I took heat for those things. My self-image, my pride was just like cooking out there with all these guys laughing at me. Shoot. For love's sake. For love's sake. Come on, that's spontaneous. Thinking about the one I love and I'm doing something not because the book says you got to do this. You see, this is the problem I think a lot of times around giving I got to do it. It's the right thing to do. Whatever happened? Whatever happened to thinking of the one you love? Feeling a little nudge, a spontaneous moment where in your heart something just leaps in you and you say, you know what, I'm going to do that for love's sake. I'm just going to do that. Thank God that I can do that. And, and you know, even, even if you have to, maybe you don't have the money and you got to go off the side of the road and cut the flowers. That's probably the reason I was doing that at the time. It matters to the one receiving of where it came from. Spontaneous, free. So we were answering the question and I took time with that one because I felt like I needed to. But why, why does this gift exist in the body? God's created a vehicle through which we can spontaneously show our love to the Lord. And I think it's a beautiful and a wonderful thing. Who? That's the next one we're going to deal with here. Who? Who does this gift come to? And why would it come to certain individuals and not to other ones in this mag in this, at this level? 
who? You know, the first thought many would have was the gift of giving, and the way we would measure that is by, by the amount that gets given. So somebody gives a large chunk of money, and we would tend to say, that person's a giver because they gave a large amount. Not biblical. The amount isn't necessarily what determines whether the person is, has the grace for giving or not. Not so much. Let me just read to you Mark 12, 41 through 44. You know the story. <clears throat> well, actually, I don't even have it written out here. Sorry, but you can reference this. I'll tell you the story. You know it. It's the widow's mite. And it's the one where Jesus watches people as they're giving into the offering plates there at the temple. And as they're coming, he, Jesus sees this woman coming up with two little mites. This is nothing. I'm talking about when it comes to spending power in the natural. And Jesus observes her coming up and putting in the little that she has. And he sees the moment, calls his disciples that he's trying to teach and disciple. And he brings them over and he says, you see what that lady just did, that widow just did? He says, I want you to know how heaven sees that. Earth sees it one way, but heaven sees that a different way. He said, heaven sees that right there. She did more to advance the kingdom of God than all those who put in out of their abundance because she gave out of her need, out of her life, out of her want, she gave. That's the spirit of giving. So, you know, if you have a ton and you give a little, it might impress people, but that's not necessarily... The, yeah, it's not, you know, we've got we to see from God's perspective. God's perspective is this spirit. So here's the beautiful thing about that. Anybody, where the question is who? <laughs> who can this come on? anybody you don't have to be rich to be a giver you don't have to be rich to be a giver you don't have to be rich to be an example the widow who had nothing was an example that jesus highlighted in front of his chosen 12 disciples think about that you know we talked about the reason for this gift is to be an example so so i love that idea because you know it's really god looking at me and saying you know with what you've received what are you doing with it? And on that basis, this anointing and this grace can come on. Who, who else would be a candidate here? Matthew 10 and 8, Jesus sending out his disciples. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. And then he says, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Who could be a candidate for this gift? Anybody who has freely received. Got a little confession to make. So fall festival. I'm working alongside with Pastor Eric and uh, planning. He's getting all his plan together. I'm trying to figure out what he needs yet to get done. He needed a, a grill for cooking. And um, he was thinking his grill isn't working. He was going to bring up his gas grill and throw some charcoal in it. It's innovative. It's one of the reasons I hired him. He's guy's creative, you know. And at my house, I have this really nice, it's nice to me, it may be not as nice as yours, but it's one of the nicest ones I've ever had, nice stainless steel grill. It's got wheels, it's got all the, you know, three big burners, got a rotisserie if you want to use a rotisserie, it's nice. <clears throat> and this little thought inside me was like, well, why don't you offer your grill? And then this other little thought came up inside me and says, I don't want to offer my grill. Because if I bring my grill, somebody will break my grill. 
And I like that grill. That's my grill. I cook fish on that grill. I know what it's like when you move those things around, you bounce them down the road and you know things start coming apart. I don't want to mess my grill up. So I decided I was just going to wait for grace to come on somebody else. You ever done that? Just waiting for grace to come on somebody else. God, I know you're going to supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. I know this body is just blessed with gifts and talents and stuff. And, and I, got, I don't want to put my hand on it. I'm not going to get involved. You know, I'm always the one trying to do it all. I'm not going to do it all. I'm going to let somebody else get blessed today. <laughs> so I waited. A couple days passed. I decided I'd ask the question again. So what's happening with the grill? Yeah, well, I'm still, you know, I don't really know. And, you know. and then the Lord reminded me of where I got that grill. Somebody called me one day and said, hey, my neighbor's got this grill they're getting rid of. Would you like it? Darn. You know, I had to replace one of the burners, so I was kind of justifying my... But it was a gift to me. All I had to do was go get it, bring it home. So what did the scripture I just read? Freely you've received, freely give. Ouch and amen. Ouch and amen. If you really wanted the truth, everything we have. David says, Lord, of your hands have we received all that we have. Everything. My breath comes from you. My life, my health. Well, I worked hard for this. Yeah, well, where'd you get the brains to earn that money? Where'd you get the strength to do the job? Where do you, you know, we, we, we all want to justify how it's us. No, at the end of the day, it's the God of mercy and grace who's blessed us. Freely we've received. Freely we give. We're talking about who is a candidate for this gift. Anybody who's freely received is a candidate for this gift. Freely you've received, freely give. Here's a neat one, Ephesians 4 and 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that is in need. This is an interesting candidate for who could get this gift. A thief. Let him that stole steal no more. Amen, that's good advice. But work the thing that's good with his hands, that's willing, willingly with his hands, that he might have to give. You see, God's not just about getting us out of the bad behavior. Don't steal. God's interested in that getting turned around to be like Christ so that I'm now giving. He says, so now I'm going to work. Yeah, I'm going I'm to work for the purpose of giving. I find that people who have the gift of giving are not afraid to work. Just an, an insight. People that have the gift of giving are not afraid to work. Actually, many times they can be very uh, frugal in nature. Some of the most generous people I've known are very frugal in nature. And th th that does not, th there's a difference between cheap and frugal. They're, they're good stewards of what they receive. They value what they have, but their intention is to give it away somewhere to invest it, to put it in to the work of God. It's part of the grace. It's the way that grace works, and it's an example that God would have us to follow after. So we've talked about 
what we've talked about <coughs> why we've talked about who and now I want to talk about where where should this gift flow for what purpose in the sense of where should you know I, I, I'm amazed there are so many needs everywhere I turn you walk into firehouse subs welcome to firehouse that's what they say when you walk in and then they take your order and they say would you like to donate an extra dollar to assist with dun da dun da dun go somewhere else would you like to donate your change the, the balance of the change says hey, everywhere you go you know phone calls coming people there's needs everywhere 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 and um, so for me I don't know how it hits you but for me I'm always asking myself well where where if I've got this giving on my life this grace to give where should I give how do I know Lord where to let this grace to flow <clears throat> and without trying to give you some specific playbook I think there is a principle surrounding the way this grace comes and goes and what it really exists for in the body when I look at the life of Jesus the pattern son and I see those who gave concerning Jesus' life and his ministry. They gave to that end, to the ministry of Jesus. Okay? So hear my heart here because I want you to know I'm a sucker for leaving the extra bucket firehouse up. Okay? There's my confession. I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. If you support the police department and you support you know, the sheriff's thing, and amen, have liberty, be free. But I do think at the end of the day, the grace for giving has to be related more specifically to the advancing of the kingdom of God. That's my opinion. Now I'm going to just give you some ideas around that and why I feel that way. Because, you know, the devil that comes to what? To steal. To kill and destroy, right? So what's he trying to steal? Well, he's trying to steal spiritual things. He's also trying to steal natural things. He's always trying to suck up our resources and use them in other places when at the end of the day... The most important thing is that the gospel be preached to all the world because though we can and should help temporary needs, if that happens without some expression of the gospel message, it's only temporary in its nature. There's something more important that has to be addressed, and it's the salvation God has provided, and people need to know about it. So when I think about where... I think about at the feet of Jesus. You know, think of the woman who um, poured out her alabaster box at Jesus' feet. That was a lot of money, and it was, some would say, even perhaps her dowry, her, her uh, like a betrothal uh, sum. And she pours it out at Jesus' feet because she loved him, but Jesus takes it to another level, and he says, you know why she did this? She did this in preparation for my burial. In essence, her giving was on the plan of God that would bring salvation to the world. She gave to the plan. She gave to the purpose. Okay? The wise men who traveled from the east, they came bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when they found the child, and when they had seen the child, they brought their gifts and opened them to him. How do you think Jesus and his family used gold, 
silver, gold, frankincense, all these things. How do you think they got used? Well, it absolutely helped them when they went to Egypt. They had an un, you know, expected, I'm sure, by them journey coming up to all the way into Egypt when Herod was killing all the two-year-old children and down. You know, frankincense and more were certainly very valuable things. They certainly also, I think, stand spiritually concerning his offering that he would be. Those are elements were used in offerings, that his life would be an offering. But they were practical resources to help Jesus finish his course. So I think this grace ultimately somewhere needs to find itself pushing forward the ministry. The reason God gave it to the church and not to some other organization is because he wants the church to finish the mission which we received. There's one other account. It's a good one. I'm going to read it to you. This is in Luke 8 and 1. <clears throat> this is the women who Jesus had delivered who gave of their substance. Luke 8 and 1, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, notice this, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. He's preaching. He's advancing the kingdom. And the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, listen, which ministered unto him of their substance. Literally, they gave him their wealth. Why? Because they were touched and healed freely they had received. And now out of that freedom, this is that spontaneous love thing, they were freely giving, and as they were giving, what was happening? The gospel was being preached, the kingdom was advancing, and Jesus was finishing the course for which he came. The same principle applies today. So, the last W. When? When should this kind of gift operate? You know, we've talked about prophecy, when it should happen in a congregational setting. You know, what are the practical pieces to this kind of giving? I think this giving, according to the scripture, because when Paul, we read it there in Romans, let him that gives do it with simplicity, right? It basically means with sincerity, with, without a bunch of drama and a bunch of hype. Let him give just out of a pure motive, not to make a big show, but do it for the kingdom's sake and do it because it's the grace you've received. And so I think when it comes to when the giving should happen, it goes back to the principle we talked about being spontaneous. When should I bring my wife flowers? I could write it on my calendar that every third Wednesday I pick up flowers. And I'm not even saying that would be bad. Every third Wednesday is probably a good starting point, you know? She might say every Wednesday, right? But whatever it is. But I think better than the calendar date is the spontaneity that comes with it, right? So I think when we're talking about when, it's, it's when God begins to stir you. you. You get that little tug. You get that little nudge. You get that little bump in your heart. You know what? You need to give there. You need to do that. It could be your neighbor. It could be, you know, whatever. It could be a variety of things. But I think so the when element is I, primarily for me, sp it should be spontaneous. Um, <clears throat> I will say this, when you're giving, and you're, if you're a married couple, I think giving the when sometimes centers around 
when you've had a conversation with your spouse, particularly if you're giving large sums, like give the house away. Just some pastoral advice. Talk to your wife or your husband before you do that. Because if you don't, then we'll be setting up marriage counseling and all the other stuff. So uh, there should be a level of, you know, when, when do you give, uh, particularly when these are larger. I think every amount and every offering is important. But if, if you're really sh- being stretched and you're feeling like something God's put on your heart, I believe there should be peace among the house on the issue. That's my personal conviction about it. There should be a level of peace and agreement on that. <clears throat> Here's another time of when this gift should operate. When the spirit of stingy is in the room. The spirit of stingy. I think, it's, I think giving's a weapon. And you can literally feel when there's like this poverty, stingy spirit moving among people. And I tell you, people that carry this gift of giving, they understand this. They get it. This is the time to give. Right in the face of all this stingy stuff going on. Because that I'm telling you, Jesus isn't stingy. God isn't stingy. And there's a spirit that gets on people of stingy. So when should you give? Spontaneously. When should you give? If, when the spirit of stingy's in the room. And I feel it. And guess what? The spirit of stingy might be on you. That means it might be your turn. It's like me with my grill. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just ashamed to even confess that so publicly. My grill. Really? Your grill? Shh. I told the story one time. I'm going to keep it real brief because I got about 10 minutes. Actually, did that clock get adjusted? I might even have more than that. I got an hour. <laughs> Shoo, that's awesome. I'm just relaxing now. So we got, we got called to uh, March for Jesus downtown Jacksonville years ago. <clears throat> it's this big Christian prayer walk demonstration, you know, we're for Jesus march, right? And uh, another confession of the heart. I didn't want to be there. I was feeling terrible. I had a rotten headache. I just was not in a good place, you know? And, uh, but we had said we were going to go, and, you know, the pastor's got to lead, and, yeah, golly. But there I was. So I showed up to the March for Jesus. We showed up. Yeah, we showed up. <clears throat> and we're there, and I, I got this attitude just kind of sitting on me, and I'm just trying to shake it, and I'm trying to get out from under it, but it's just on me. And uh, so I've said, you know what, I'm going to just, God, help me. I'm going to suck it up, and I'm going to walk and march for Jesus. <laughs> you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. So there we are. It's hot. And, um, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, somebody comes down, all bubbly, one of the, one of the volunteers, with offering envelopes. I'm thinking, oh, great, now you want my money. <laughs> I'm hot. I got a headache. And now you're asking me for money. So I'm like, you know, so I got to set a good example. You know, I'll take one of those envelopes. And I just, I'm just struggling. 
I'm just having a time, you know. <clears throat> and I know I'm in a battle. Is it okay just to be real? Yeah. I know I'm in a battle. I got all this stuff just rolling around me, right? And so I got this offering envelope. And now I got to go to the bathroom. We're downtown Jacksonville, so now I'm looking for, guess what? A portalette. It's all just wonderful, right? So I said, Christy, you know, because I know they're coming back by with buckets in a little bit. So <clears throat> I head to the portalette, and I decide I'm going to look in my wallet to see how much money I have. And I've got like a $1 bill and a $20 bill. And so, based on my first attitude, I was reaching for the one. I'm going to stick it in there. I gave something, and I'm going to keep walking. And all of a sudden, it's amazing where the Holy Spirit will show up. In this blue plastic portalette, me and Jesus. With the smell of bubble gum. That smells like bubble gum to me. I don't know what that's like, but anyways. <laughs> depends, on how, depends on how fresh the portal it is. But anyway, that's another issue. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we, we digress. I'm sorry. So there I am with Jesus. You know, I, here was the revelation. The revelation was that Jesus loved me whether I gave one, whether I gave 20, or whether I gave nothing. Or 20. Ooh, 21. Boy. That's the gift of giving in operation right there. <laughs> you didn't know it. <clears throat> but I just realized, you know, God loves me. And, but then I also realized that the balance of my day, the rest of my day, would hinge on what I did next. And I actually realized that I had an actual authority to break something off of my life. And I decided... I might have even done 21. I don't remember, but I know for sure I didn't do the one. I did the 20. I did the bigger bill. And I stuck the 20 in the envelope, sealed it up, in Jesus' name. I am not stepping back out in my march for Jesus with my little... There's a spirit that's gotten on me, and I want it off. And I walked out of there, and I said, Off of me, you stingy, cheap, grumbling, mumbling... <laughs> get off of me and I did it with an offering now there I tell you what I got free the rest of that day liberty came I started walking in freedom sometimes we get so depressed and so because we're down here protecting our stuff when God wants to bless us and actually open something and give us so so I think one of the points to when we should give is when that spirit of stingy or when that oppressive, heavy, self-absorbed thing is all over you. Great time to tap into the gift of giving. Give it. And let God direct you. Lest you're here today thinking, oh, this preacher is just trying to get us to give money to him. Forget it. Go give it somewhere else. But give. Do something for Jesus. Amen. It's, it's your choice, it's my choice. Are we going to get free and break free from the stuff or are we going to live under that thing? I don't know about you, but I just don't want to be under that thing. <clears throat> Here's the last point with when and the last W, so it's nearing the end. I almost didn't write this one down. I just almost didn't write it down. When should you give? 
According to Jesus, when you're asked. It's like, really, God? No. When should you give? Matthew 5 and 42. Give to him that asks you. And from him that would borrow of you, turn not thou away. Well, the last time I loaned somebody something, they broke it. And they didn't bring it back. And I've wrestled with this. Now, I have to tell you, when you think about that, oh, pastor, that's just too much, man. <laughs> you know, that sermon, this sermon was going okay until you hit that point. And that point, just, you just lost me, brother. Trust me, I, I lost myself when I was looking at it for a few moments. Because I, here's what I wrestle with. We're getting ready to go to, to India. We're going to hit the street in India where there's little children standing on the side of the road. Some of them have been dismembered. They've had their arms cut off, one arm cut off, so that to, to get sympathy, and they have one arm left to beg with. And they'll pull up in your car on the street and start knocking with their one good arm, and they'll point to this one and they'll go like this. No joke. If you took this scripture at its face value and said, give to him that ask, and you went into a city like this, <coughs> they come... One, come all. Give to one, five more come. They, I mean, they just start coming. The reality would be, you'd be hard-pressed to be able to give to them all, because you really couldn't. That's one of the things I've been faced with over and over again, you get in certain situations, is the overwhelming need. It's like beyond... By the way, if you gave that child that money, it wouldn't go to him anyways. He'd walk around the corner and give it to somebody who in the black market they abused these kids they're the ones that dismembered him to begin with I'm not joking this is real stuff okay and they barely give him enough to stay alive to look pretty pitiful to look emaciated to look so he can beg more to give them more money and these kids are like a little workforce out there on the streets for him it is pitiful and sad the answer to that situation is not just handing them money it is a spiritual problem that must be attacked and addressed spiritually. Now, we work through the churches that we're connected to who have legitimate ministries helping the poor and rescuing the trapped. Okay? And so for us, if you took this scripture, give to him that ask. Well, you can't give to everyone that asks you and be in the spirit of what this verse is about. Because if you read the context of the spirit here, it's a demonstration of the Father who wants to bring life and healing and restoration, and that's not going to happen. It's not wise to hand it to the kid who's going to hand it to the man around the corner. There's a better way to help and to redeem. But the spirit that Jesus, I think, is addressing is check your heart. Check your heart. Check your heart. Because we can use that as a nice excuse. Well, I don't just give to everybody because they're going to abuse it. I'm not going to give it to this drunk because he's going to take it and go buy whiskey with it. And that could be true. But it's real easy to fall into the trap that I'm just not going to give to anybody in need because they're going to abuse it. And therefore, we stop giving. It's a snare. And I think Jesus is addressing that snare. And he's saying to all of us, here's how it should work. Be spontaneous. Be free. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Ask for wisdom, you know. 
You never know when somebody's going to show up and have a need. We were out here yesterday cutting wood to build these booths out here, and a guy shows up with a need. Somebody who's shown up before, traveling through. and I'm sitting there chuckling inside because I know I'm getting ready to speak on all this stuff. I'm going, yeah, here we are. What are we doing? Which way are we going? God, I always check in in my heart. I always check in in my heart for a moment, and I just say, you know, Lord, how do you want me to really help? this person that's the question right what does real help look like what does real help look like one of the reasons we're going is to bring the good news and bring hope and to get behind churches that are living there who can make a long term impact on these lives rescuing them from the streets and the such A lot of times we'll take candy with us because it gets in the kid's mouth before it ever gets in the guy around the corner's hand. One time we had Robert Landon with us. <clears throat> Robert had pockets full of candy. And these kids had come up and he was handing candy out. And he just happened to have one of those fireballs. <clears throat> I don't know where he got this stuff. Anyways, so he's just randomly handing candy. And there's this little guy, just a cute little guy. You know, he gets the thing, stops him, walks away. And all of a sudden he goes, and he looked at Robert like he was the devil himself. I mean, it was just like, whoa, dude. By the way, if we've got leftover candy, bring it in. We'll, 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 take, uh, we'll take some of that with us just to touch with some love just these children. Let them feel the love of Jesus. We like to get our hands on them anytime we can, really. Bless them. <coughs> So last little story. I'm going to use the scripture and then I'm going to tell the story. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, when it comes to giving. Paul is taking up a collection for the saints that are in need. And then he says, let every man <coughs> according. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. Every man as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver I'm going to read it again because to me it's a beautiful portion of scripture Paul says listen let every man according as he has purposed in his heart giving is a function of the heart so let him give not grudgingly like oh gosh or of necessity, eh, I got to do it, because God loves a cheerful giver. You know what the Greek word is here for cheerful? This is literally in the Greek. It's hilarus, hilarus, where we get our word hilarious from. Yeah, it's the it's where it's the root word where we get our word hilarious from. God loves. A hilarious giver. It's the Bible. I mean, God loves somebody that's just, when they give, they're just like, this is so much fun. I mean, they're just gut, gut hurting from the fun of it all. You say, well, I don't know if I've ever had that. Well, hang on, because it's coming. Liberty. Freedom. I tell you, we're oppressed with, with self-preservation. 
And I'm convinced that in this hour, God's getting ready to lift that spirit off the church where we're not all over here trying to protect our stuff and our lives, our Western, the American dream. You've got to see it for what it's worth. There's a spirit that sits over us. And when we get into this other spirit, it contradicts the spirit of stingy. And I'm telling you, the spirit of liberty comes. The spirit of freedom comes. The spirit of joy comes over your life when, it, when it's a God thing. Not forced, not manipulated. Please hear it for what it is. It doesn't, if it's coming out of some other place, it's not really what God's after. And I, I love this about the Lord. He's so honest with me. And I can be so, so honest with him. I can say, you know what, God? I don't want to bring my grill to the fall festival. Have you ever talked that way to God? Yes. Amen. Thank you. Otherwise, I'm getting ready to go find another job. I'm thinking, what am I even doing up here? It gets on us. And God's saying, what are you going to do with that stuff? You know, I'm just choosing to not walk and live under that spirit. I don't want to be under that spirit. I want to be under the spirit of freedom. So here's the story. So my little son, he was, uh, not my son, my little son, my little grandson, little Josh, he's just, I just, I just have such a deep love for this little guy. And uh, so his birthday just came around, and I was thinking, what can I get? You know, he's got all kinds of cool toys and stuff. And so anyways, I saw this relatively inexpensive but nice-looking little metal detector. I thought he's five. It's a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, it beats a video game. Get him out on the beach somewhere. Get him hunting for treasures or something, you know, something. So I decided to get him the metal detector. <coughs> so he's got it. And... Uh, not long after that, we were out to lunch with Kay and Bill, and Bill was telling me that he, uh, he recently lost a really nice ring that had been, I think, given to him. Gold, had diamond stones in it at the beach. Just so happened to lose it right in front of where my little grandson lives. No joke. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to tell you he found the ring yet. Just hang on with me. Okay? But his dad's back thinking, we're going to go break that thing out, man. What's going on? But anyway, so, so Bill tells me the story. He says, yeah, he said, uh, he said, I just lost this. I, it slipped off my hand. Tide was all the way in. Came up, and it's gone. And they were grieved over it, but they said, you know what? It's just a thing. It could have been something worse, and they, they released it, right? So then I'm telling him I got my little grandson at lunch. And I said, well, have you tried the metal detector? He says, no. I, he says, we haven't got it yet, but we're getting ready to use it. And, and I said, you know what? Somebody I was talking to just lost a very expensive ring right outside of where you live, right on the beach, right out there. And, he, and, and I said, I explained you know, what it was like and everything. And he said, really, Papa? And I said, yep. He says, well, you know what? He says, if I find it, I'm going to give it back to him. And I thought, gosh, you're a bigger man than me, man. What are you doing? <laughs> no, that's not what I thought. <laughs> Only partially couldn't believe it. it was so innocent it was so pure it was just this little it was like check this out he wanted to use his gift this is my gift my papa bought me this metal detector he wanted to use his gift to find something that somebody else had lost to give it back to him jesus what would it be like if we used our gifts and it was the joy of our gift. 
Instead of, I'm going to go find for me my treasure. I'm going to build my little place. And I'm going to build my kingdom and have my way. What happened to the innocence and the purity of a child who just received a gift and then took it to use it to bless someone? God, would you return that to us? That kind of grace. You know, is Pam here today? Pam Atkins? No? Pam had this happen. Pam Atkins loves to use metal detectors. She's got the full-blown headphones so there's no wind distraction. She's out there with like... So funny. I, I used to go drink my coffee. I'm trying to get you out of here. I really am. I used to try to go drink my coffee at the beach and pray early in the morning. And I, got, I, I realized, that's Pam. She would routinely... Be, she big ear, she, I mean, she just... No self-consciousness about how she looked at all. I mean, she's like a, a minesweeper out here, okay? I mean, this gal is like so intense. She's all over it. And she actually found a beautiful ring that belonged to a friend, well, Kevin Johnson's sister-in-law, ex-sister-in-law, Stacy Johnson, who used to be a county commissioner here. Lost this beautiful ring, a really expensive ring. Pam found it, heard about it, and gave it back. And I thought, how awesome is that? You know? How awesome is that? Using your gift and your talent to bless somebody. So today, you know, here we are. Standing in a world that is full of fear, full of self-preservation. And God, in the middle of it all, has planted his church and in the church, he's given graces and giftings and talents so that we, the church, could be the light of the world. And the devil, seeing that and knowing our potential, has come in and got us all ingrown, tried to get us all looking at ourselves and protecting our little ministries, our little denominations and non-denominations, denominations, and, and, and building our little safety nets and and God's saying, oh, where's my people? Walking and living in the freedom of the kingdom, knowing that there is no end. Can I tell one last story? One last story. Liberty, thank you. <clears throat> Sarah, our daughter, is six years old. Maybe at the time we're at McDonald's. She loved Happy Meals at the time. I wasn't that hungry. I have a little date with her. I bring her, I get the Happy Meal, we sit down, she's there and she's eating. And I'm just happy to be with her. She's going at her little cheeseburger and her fries, you know, and I'm just talking. And then all of a sudden, one of those fries smells good <laughs> to me. And I reach over and I just go, hey. And as I did, you would have thought I was trying to kill her. <laughs> I mean, she went into this, what, that's my fry thing. And I was like, you're a fry. I was like, don't you know I could bury you in French fries right now if I wanted to. I have enough money in my pocket to bury you in French fries. I, 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 could, I could throw French fries at you for hours. 
She missed the moment. She missed the point altogether. But I tell you, God just showed up in such a neat way at that moment. Because here I was just enjoying my fellowship with her with the ability to bless her and bless her and bless her. No fear in my world. She's over here. Don't touch my fry. I'm having fellowship. She's protecting her fries. And I'm thinking something's not what it ought to be in this relationship. If you only knew Sarah, if you're hungry, I'll get you another bag of fries. No big deal. Well, I don't see them. Well, it's not about whether you see it at the moment. It's who you're with. Amen. Who you're with. How he feels about you. Where you are. Hang out with the Father. Be with the Father. Don't fret the fries. <laughs> Come on. Don't fret the fries. Be in the place you're supposed to be. Enjoy him like he enjoys you. Be spontaneous like you want Him to be spontaneous to you. God, help us. <laughs> I don't know where that stuff comes from. Don't fret the fries. Praise God. Sounds like a book title or something. I'm just asking God, <clears throat> though this congregation numerically is not a big congregation compared to many, it doesn't mean it can't be powerful. It doesn't mean God can't do amazing things. Because it's not about the amount of money we give. Remember the widow. It's about the nature of the gift. It's about where it's coming from. It's about the heart. It's about the love. It's about the relationship the trust. You know, that widow was throwing her whole trust on the Lord. Let's get on our feet if you don't mind. And I just want to pray this morning. <clears throat> because there are waves of grace appointed for this house. Like surfers hanging out in the water, not everyone's going to get caught. And I'm feeling like we're supposed to be ready for something. I'm feeling like God is saying, I'm looking for a people who will be spontaneous in the day of my army. I'm looking for people who will be so free and so voluntary and so hilarious in their liberty. Not men pleasers with eye service, but in singleness of heart before the Lord. And Father, I just want to ask you today, you know, I, I intentionally held off our normal tithes and offering time. Yeah, we're going to do it at the beginning or at the end. But I wanted to wait because even though you're probably going to come up with just what you had in mind when you came into this building today for the work of God, I don't want us to give with the same, you know, he says, let us purpose in our heart. And I just believe today, God, you're looking for that purposed heart today. And as we, as we prepare, Lord, just to bring more than money to you as we prepare to bring our hearts to you afresh. Lord, I thank you for, for breaking the spirit of stingy off of our life, should it be there, for just delivering us from all the fears and the cares and all the stuff. Lord, Lord, let our giftings and our graces encourage and inspire one another. 
Lord, I thank you for liberty and freedom over this house. I thank you for every spirit of poverty, every spirit of lack, and every spirit that would, would draw back in fear of the future. I break the power of all that stuff off of this local church. Lord, I know I'm, I'm so grateful for this body and for the generosity of this body and the, and the life that's here. And I just know, Lord, that it's flowing, it's going, and I believe it's going to be growing more and more and more. And Lord, I thank you for, for the, the liberty of your spirit as we come today as an act of love for you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Amen. So, is, uh, there you are. Can you play? Would you mind just ministering to the Lord? And I think what we're going to do uh, here as we're dismissing out of here today, uh, Jennifer's so gracious, she's going to just minister here to the Lord. You can bring your tithes, your offerings today for the work of the Lord, but if you need prayer and you just need to hang out a little bit or you just want to soak in the presence of God for just a little, we would love to have you do that. Um, so appreciate all of you. Really, really do. And I'm excited about what God's about to do. Amen. Team, can you come up, please? We'll do at the cross. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yep. You're welcome. Amen. God bless you. <coughs>